This is CliffCentral.com. Because the urban, the urban culture driving, the urban culture drive, unless that happens, um, and you pretty much know what to put on and what not to put on. So we're putting on a couple of black backtracks, and then we're going to go straight into the topic for today. Um, but how are you guys doing? I'm pretty much going to switch on everybody's mic because, I don't know, Candice is sitting somewhere where she's not usually sitting, and Craig is sitting in some place who's not usually sitting. But they, they, they... Oh, am I wrong, Craig? No, you're absolutely <laughs> wrong. The king owns this. Oh, sexy owns this yes! chair. Yes, I have to, yes. I have to be diagonal. You, I, I'm adjacent to where you're sitting. Yes, hundred percent. And then, Candice, how are you doing? I'm fantastic. How are you, Mapanga? What's good? Ah, uh, you know what? I've been good. I've been good. Work is work. It is what it is. Yeah. Black tax is still there. Of course. You know. Um, we don't have water shortages like Cape Town, <laughs> so it's better to be here than to have to be in another country called Cape Town. And we're actually sipping on bottled water as we speak. Not to shade anyone in Cape Town, but yeah, it's a party in the studio. <laughs> Bottle- we watering it up. Bottled water or other things, you never know. <laughs> oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. People always have agendas in the studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you'll never know. About Craig was sexy, might be hardly Could it be vodka? Could it, could, be it vodka? Be, could it be water? Could it be vodka? What is it, cane? No, you just Where never know. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, it's just one of those things, eh? So all I know is that, despite everything that's going on, it's still January. Bean! I uh, feel like it's been January for, like, the last three months. And I, I feel like January doesn't want to end. Mm. And I feel like we've been here, and we've spoken about it, and we know... And we know, somebody said that January is very long, because this is the Monday of the month. <laughs> yeah. So camera sticks there and just lingers. But I think, depending on how you flip it, right... Um, so my opinion is that the longer the January is, the better because it gives you enough time to plan for the other 11 months of the year, right? True. And everywhere I go, it's the same thing every single, every single year. Everywhere I go, I speak to professionals or whatever the guys at the office. It's always, you know, what you're going to do this year. And the guys are like, oh, multiple streams of income. Um, do the entrepreneurial thing this year and et cetera, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. But then honestly, by the time the first quarter is done and you're in March, Everybody pretty much just slumps back into their comfortable zone yeah. in the office. And then all of a sudden, the, the, you know, the office gossip starts to pick up, you know. And, and now, you know, we're getting into winter and at the office, there's a nice cappuccino there. You know what I mean? Like just, it's just this, this comfort mm. that the guys want to stay in. Yeah. I also think it comes down to discipline, guys. Like, are you going to push for better or are we just going to speak it and see how it goes, test the waters for a month or two? We need to be dedicated people. You need to be disciplined if you're going to set these goals. That is, that's the point. That, that is why I do not believe in resolutions at the beginning of the year yeah. because you are setting up yourself up for failure. You should actually try to change yourself each and every time you you move to a different phase of your life. Yeah. You know, it should not be set by the beginning of the year or the end of the month or a relationship breakup. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But the relationship breakup part can really break a person. Like, I'm sorry, I need to defend those people for a second. Yeah, look at Adele, guys. <laughs> but Adele made millions because of That's that. what I'm saying, fam. So, you know what I decided to do, right? So, this year, um, we've had a lot of shows on a lot of different things, okay? But it's all been very, very much lifestyle, okay? And I've been getting a couple of requests to say, hey, listen, guys, um, we want you guys to set up a podcast, right? Um, about entrepreneurship and all that type of stuff. And it's always a difficult topic because there's so many different opinions mm. about how to go about it, what's right and what's wrong, right? So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to get a little creative, right? 
I'm actually going to play a clip, right, from a gentleman you guys might know him. His name is Vestibuayo, um, from Benoni. Um, and, and I want to hear what he says because there's a couple of things where I agree and there's a couple of things that I disagree. And then we're going to get into the show. Is that cool? That's yeah, cool. super cool. All right. Let me see if I can do this right. Let me see if I'm technologically inept. Let's drop the background music. Yeah, I'm five years behind my own timeline, right? Yeah, so yeah. I should have been here much sooner. But I, I think I was lucky. I was lucky out of the starting block. So I knew what I wanted to do with my life very early on. And there was no doubt in my mind about what my life looked like. And so all I had to do was just do it. And, and, and the challenge was the just doing part. It took a while to get out of the starting blocks. Yeah. So that was a difficult country to do business, especially if you're not the kind of entrepreneur that we're used to in this country. I mean, so the study of gapology, which is effectively what entrepreneurs do. It's interesting, you know, entrepreneurship is not something you can teach. People either have it or they don't, which is just the ability to come in and see opportunities where they don't exist. But um, so the question around how do you find the gap, it's typically around three things. It's you've got to find something people are willing to pay for that they need now and they have the money to pay for it. The minute you tick those three boxes... You're in business. So it doesn't matter what it is. You could be selling water. You could be selling ice cream. You could be doing anything. The minute you understand those three things, you effectively have found a gap in the market and you can start servicing that market. And I'm pretty much going to kill it there. And with that being said, so, um, Candace Craig, we pretty much have two guests today, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why I paid you guys the way that I did is because I really want to know, right? Instead of having one element of what we think entrepreneurship or being in business is about in 2018, right? I want to have two so that we can holistically round this thing out, right? And so we don't have as many gaps as possible, okay? So I'm going to let, let Candace introduce our very first guest, Okay, the lovely, lovely Elvis Sekolelo, who is the founder of an incredible initiative. It is called Ekasi Entrepreneurs. And guys, can I just tell you guys, this guy is super passionate about what he does. He does it with so much, it's, it's basically a labor of love. Like if he would do it for free if he had to. So Elvis, thank you so much for coming to the show. We're so excited to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Candice, for inviting me. I think I'm going to have quite a bit of fun uh, talking about entrepreneurship because I think it's actually close to my heart. Yeah, yeah. And especially the fact that you've done it for so long and so many years and you've really sort of poured who you are into empowering the youth and especially township entrepreneurs. I think that's where you sort of... Yeah, I think I think from the clip that Vusi actually mentioned is that it's either you have it or you don't. And it's a matter of actually... Growing within within the space and being able to find opportunities, or the or the blocks that you can be able to actually exploit, and coming up with a solution for for what actually the market is looking for. I think that's where it actually took me from. Okay, would you say? And I picked up on something in that in that clip. Is would you say it's as simple as saying, "Okay, Shap, think it now, do it. Think it, see it, do it. See it, think it, and do it." I think it's a matter of. You can't just start something without seeing the opportunity first. Mm-hmm. And when you see an opportunity, say, how do I come up with a solution to actually solve that challenge? And then you go out and actually do it. Because that's essentially what it is. Can I ask you a very simple question, Elvis? Yes. What's your surname? My surname is Sekaolelo. Uh, how do you say it, Candice? <laughs> I said Sekaolelo. <laughs> okay, I said Sekaolelo. <laughs> All right. All right I'm, just, I'm just pulling your leg. I'm just pulling your leg. 
Um, and <laughs> I guys are savages today. I'm so sorry for mispronouncing, but we always have this issue in the office as well. Where it's like Candice, Candice. Please. But you know, we, <laughs> but it's, I tried. It's, listen, it's, it's South Africa. You know, there's there's a reason why it's a whole mixture of different uh, cultures and how people do it. It's fine. No one's blaming anyone. So our second guest, right? Um, now I would have. Honestly, I would have sat here and be like, so, okay, so, I'm going to read it out here, right? So, it's Monday, and Monday, please tell me if I'm right, you have a Kosa surname, right? Yeah. Okay. Now pronounce it, Lisef. I'm looking at you, all pressures on you. And then I would say, accountant by profession for the last 13 years, I was director of Sisonke Sizwe, business advisory, right? But I'm not going to do that, right? Because I found something pretty cool, and I actually want to play it for you guys. So, if you just give me a second, I thought I thought this was pretty cool. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm just going to do this for myself. <laughs> so for any of you guys that need ideas on how to introduce yourself, basically all you need to do, I'm going to put up the orcs right now, I've is make a video. I've worked for years, full-time as an accountant. Ouch! But the biggest problem was, at the end of the month, it was a shortage of money. I did not have capital, of course, to start a business. And I did not have experience to start a business to begin with. Fortunately, I met a friend. This guy says to me, I need you to come to a business seminar where they will be teaching people how to begin and start businesses without capital. That was the beginning and the learning curve for me to understand what is it uh, that is a referral uh, business. In fact, it started very small. Uh, the first amount that I've earned was around 314 rand. 2014, that's when I realized that this is a business that needs to be taken serious when I was making more than 100,000. In Gauteng alone, I've got about two properties. Um, in Deben, I've got one, and I've got about four cars. If you want to be part of us, uh, you must SMS your name, of course. SMS the area that you're in on the number that appears on the screen so that we can be able to attend to you. We'll respond to you. There's nothing to pay. All you need to do is to avail your time. That's right. Monday, so how are you? Grand you, but hundred percent. Um, let's get this out the way before Candice like doesn't let me go. <laughs> Pronounce your surname, please. Ochoa. That's right. <laughs> now you go, Les. Ochoa. Huh? Because you had, you had to be taught. You had to be taught. <laughs> this is the problem when you grow up. This is the problem when you grow up in Jura, guys. It's just mm. um, you've, you've got the scope, you know, and Enjoy. I got the potential. <laughs> I think, you know, with, uh, with the profile like that, Gojo, we could say that you're Joe Berg's eligible blesser, eh? Hey! <laughs> like, maybe I need a bit of, I need a bit of. A bit of a cover, yeah, yeah, some, 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 I hear what you're saying. Qualify. So listen, guys, um, so we have, we have, we have you, Monday, right? Yeah. And I mean, you're a director of a business advisory, um, company, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we're going to go quite into detail about that. Then on the other end of the spectrum, we have, um, um, we have what what I call a social entrepreneur. Entrepreneur is that what you'd call yourself, Elvis? True. Yeah. Social entrepreneur. Now these, now these 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 two areas of entrepreneurship are quite interesting to me, right? Because for me, um, I mean, I'm 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 a corporate animal, right? And I'm a capitalist at heart. Mm. Okay. And there's almost always this this yin and yang between. Um, how much personal ambition do you have, right? Mm-hmm. Or how much of an ambition do you have to be effective in the community? Mm. I'll mm. put it that way. Mm. Okay. So now we're going to go b- into both these uh, companies quite in detail. So we exactly know uh, what the environment is that we're dealing with. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to kick it off with Monday. Monday. Yes. Um, so you talk about, in essence, networking. Yeah. Right. Um, 
what is it what is it that's so special about this type of networking that you, that's 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 the, the majority of the South African population is qu- not quite tapped into yet. I think the first thing, one, and I think to refer to what Tembega was saying is to get the right market, uh, define your market. Two, you must have accessible products. At the same time, you've got to have uh, people that are passionate about what they are doing. Mm. You know, you've got to be selfless and, and begin to understand that it's not only about you at the end of the day. It's about how you reach out there and so how, how many it's not how you get to the top of the mountain it's happening how many people you take to the peak of the mountain and mm. i think that's that's the key uh, element if you can begin to al- understand that at the end of the day before you realize you'll be making it enough uh to help at the same time making it enough for yourself so you tell me that i'd be wrong if all i wanted was four cars come again you tell me that i'm wrong if all i wanted was four cars if all you wanted is four cars, it really depends on how, you know, how you view life. I mean, sometimes you can have four cars because they are all, you need them, but you might need one car if it's, if it's, if it's enough for you. But I think at the end of the day, it should be self-sufficient. And to be self-sufficient is to be able to control your time, spend time with your family, and, and just define your own diary. I hear what you're saying. All I'm saying, Kenneth, I don't know if you agree with me, but I need four cars. Do you need four cars? I need, I need four cars. I don't need four I, cars. I, I need four cars. I, th- I think two expensive ones is, you know, one a four by four and one a, you know, luxury Sunday drive would be amazing. But anyway, just a quick one on that. I, I, I just find what you're doing quite interesting because um, just to give an example of that experience, and I'm not exactly sure if you're using the same business model, but when I started my own accounting firm and I had no capital, I had no clients whatsoever. What we decided to do was that we had the skills, we had the expertise, we just didn't have the money, we just had a computer and the internet. And what we did was to literally speak to different friends of ours and family members to say that, listen, if you get us an individual within our business, you will get a 20% cut as, as, for as long as they are within that business. So if somebody pays me 10 grand, two grand is yours forever and ever. If they pay me 10 grand a month, for an example, two grand is yours. And that has actually helped me pick up business so quickly. And so it was such a sustainable system. I, I agree. I agree fully because if you understand it, in South Africa, the biggest problem that we might have is to want to have 100% of 100 rand mm. rather to have 50% of million rand. Absolutely. And I think mm. that's how we need to understand the value of sharing. Uh, it's nice to say we are the product of, uh, you know, social cohesion, but mm. it's important to actually practice that, to know that if you bring your peace, I'll bring my peace. At the end of the day, we both share. And I mean, that, that, that's in essence what referral is all about, right? Please. The referral business. But here's my issue. So, um, with a lot of projects that I've worked with, and I don't know whether it's a South African thing, right? But um, in South Africa, we always have this need to become the boss. Mm. To have, you know, if, if Lesejo starts a water bottling company, and he asks Elvis and Mondi to come help me out with my, with my water bottle company, you know, um, Lesejo still wants 100% of the company, mm. you know? Um, and I always find that that's one of the really big stumbling blocks, at least in this African context, is that guys have this facade that I can make it by myself mm. and I want all the glory to myself. Where do you think that stems from? There, there might be a lot of things, but I think what you need to understand is to understand the is and the effect of what you do uh, to your business. Um, if you want everything for you at all costs, you might mm-hmm. end up sitting with those buildings and there's no customers or clients mm. to meet. Mm. But if you're saying, because I know I'm not, I don't know everything, you know, mm. anyone that I put on board brings a special skills and expertise. 
and that contribution makes a difference. And and that is why a house is not built by one block, but different blocks. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Now, Elvis, I mean, taking into co- co- consideration what Monday is saying, right? Um, I always think the, the the one of the toughest one of the toughest elements of running a business is having the right people in that business. And I can imagine for an NGO, or not an NGO, but being a social entrepreneur, it must be that much more difficult because now you're essentially trying to find people that have a passion for people. And I don't know about you, but the people I know have no passion for people. People just want to make their money and move on to the next thing. Um, I think people like to say they want to make a world a better place. You know, mm-hmm. I want to impact someone positively. But to be honest, none of us is willing to wake up uh, in the morning and go to work where majority of my business is really there to uplift a community. I think <clears throat> you need to look at... at so the people that, when I started, yes, yeah. I, I, I brought in people that I thought they had the right skills, that I have the right knowledge and everything. But I realized that those people do not necessarily have the passion that actually I had, the passion of actually uplifting the people. And I think it is that concept of saying that I should not tell people that, uh, get on, get on, get on, the, get on the bus. We're gonna go there. I think people need to get on the bus, knowing the value of what is on the bus. Mm. Wherever we go, as long as we we go together, mm. we're able to build something of of solid uh, solid solidity. I think even the people that are ca- currently coming in now as as board of advisors and all of that, they actually I don't go out there and actually look for them. Uh, they come and actually apply mm-hmm. and we have to go do a, a serious analysis of them saying, are they worthy of actually being on the board? And then it's only after that that we'll make sure that they actually come on board. Can I ask a question? When it comes to social entrepreneurship, right? What exactly, and I mean, this might be a dark question, but I've always asked myself, what exactly is it? Is an NGO a social, um, if, if I run an NGO, does that make me a social entrepreneur? So let me, let me try to define it in two ways. So, there are an NGOs and NPOs and NPCs, right? And I run an NPC, which is a non-profit company. And essentially what it means is that it cannot declare dividend. But mm. it does run as a private company. Mm. That's all it does. Mm. A social entrepreneur is someone that runs a for-profit company mm. that look at what are the challenges that are there in the world? What are the social ills that are there out, out there? And how can I be able to exploit those and come up with a solution that is actually needed. A social ill that would normally people would expect it to be to be rendered as a service by government. Mm. Actually a private company can be able to do that and make sure that they sell it to the people because that's what actually people are looking for. Do you know what? After today, right, I've always shied away from social entrepreneurship because my thing was always if you can't be a social entrepreneur, you can't really become rich. You know what I mean? Like, like well, that was always the, the 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 thought process that I had in my in my mind. Let me give you a couple of examples of social entrepreneurship. Um, I don't know if you know Ludwig Marishani, who runs Drybath. Drybath. I know him very so well. So that's that's a social social business. It's not as much as it's making money. It's, it, it, it looked at the the, the value yeah. of not using water in in in, in your. In your, in your military bases and yeah, all those kind of yeah, things. So it's, yeah. it's more about the need of what is actually needed and it's social. And the social impact that it has. Exactly. 100%. I, so you can still make money as a social entrepreneur. Yeah. You just need to be very clever in actually how do you, you do it. <laughs> you got to be a clever ducky. <laughs> um, Candice, I don't know, is social entrepreneurship a thing for you? I always talk, I see many entrepreneurs on a daily basis. And then I always tell everyone, guys, as far as being an entrepreneur, 
It's not something I want to get into. I don't want to be one. Kishapu, kishapu, kishapu. I always tell people, guys, like, it's not as simple. You don't just, you don't just, you don't decide, okay, shop, you know what? I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I see these people cry every day. I see people struggle. Fathers selling their cars, can't pay rent. They can't pay their rent. Like, so many, you have to be so strong. There are so many obstacles when it comes to being an entrepreneur. And I don't want to scare anyone away. And that's why I have so much respect. When I started working on this project, I really learned to respect any entrepreneur, whether it's the guy who's selling boscopas, you know, on the side of the road, like, guys, guys, what a ballsy profession. Did you want to ask? And I mean, to you, Elvis. I mean, go ahead. Or I'll ask. No, after. I just wanted to add on on what is say. I think there are two elements to that. Mm-hmm. That young people currently in South Africa do not have the perseverance to actually get their business out there and actually make it work. Mm. But also, the, 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 the element that you're touching on is that when you fail, you mm. need to know when to stop. Mm. You need not actually overdo it because that's when it gets to a point where it goes into your personal uh, stability and it actually hurts what you actually have in the family. Can, can I ask a question then, right? Mm. Um, because uh, I have... I've, I have a view that entrepreneurship in South Africa, I mean, it's a buzzword. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when I was in, um, primary school, the buzzword was, um, become an accountant, mm-hmm. you know, and you become rich and you have great life, right? Mm-hmm. And then that phase, um, slowly ended and then it became the engineering phase, mm-hmm. right? When I was in high school, become an engineer, best thing since sliced bread. Mm-hmm. And then it's a whole goes and studies engineering, he becomes an engineer. And then it starts working and realize, hmm, no, this thing is actually not, I was told the dream here. And then now, Right now we have now we have the now we have the um, entrepreneurship buzz, okay, where everyone's like, okay, become an entrepreneur. This is the way forward. Uh, it's the best thing for you. But even that is overhyped and, and over glamorized because I think majority of people don't know what it takes to be an entrepreneur. But also in our society now, in the millennial generation, where everything is microwaved and everything happens so quickly. And now Elvis comes into my life and says, listen, you must persevere and you must take your time. <sighs> what I've known my whole life is get things done within five minutes. And now Elvis is coming to me telling me, no, 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 it actually takes five years. I mean, how do you get past that dilemma, Monday? Because, I mean, you go out and you recruit some, some yeah. really young people. I, I think, if we, I like this platform because, to me, I'm going to talk about when to start. And I think yes. that's the key. Mm. I don't want people to leave their jobs to start a business I want them to start While they're keeping their jobs So that you've got the mental psych The mental resilience The learning part And again you're not panicking To come to what you are saying About social entrepreneurship You're not panicking when you've got something You're doing something part time You're saying to yourself Let me build this After all Rome was not built over three days And then when you've got enough That you've generated on your side Then you can step up and say I can be able to push it because because the biggest problem is that people leave their jobs and take everything that they have to start businesses. And they take the risk. And what happens then, because they are not used psychologically, mm. then it collapses. They have lost money mm. and then they go back again. And mm. you ask them about the business, entrepreneurship, they'll mm. tell you, I've been there, it is hard. Mm. It is when you start, and I think you've got to start, there's no better time to start a business. And I always believe that you don't need money to start a business, but to grow your business, you yeah. might need money. You know what? I love what you just said there. Um, and I guess it ties in. I mean, like, I mean, according to your, to your profile, I mean, you're an accountant for 13 years in, in, in corporate, um, South Africa, right? Um, and you pretty much know the goings on there. And then from there, you moved on to do your own thing. 
so my issue is always with young people when they graduate and they go and I'm like, yo, so you're gonna apply for for a job? And they're like, nah, fam, nah, I'm gonna become an entrepreneur. I'm gonna become my own boss. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right, you wanna be your own boss, which I think is a problem because now their motivation is to become their own boss. And I'm like, there's no really such thing because even if you own your own company, your boss is then the customer. You know, yeah, yeah, even yeah, if yeah. you own your own company, you might be. Rendering a service to whoever you know, Marianne Roberts, whatever, they essentially become your own boss. But I think the the motivation for young people around how they want to become an entrepreneur, I think, is fundamentally flawed. Mm. And also, I keep saying people that listen, if you want to work with big corporates, you have to know how they work. And in order for you to know how they work, you got to work in there. Mm. You got to grind. Mm. You know, I just think as young people, we have. I'm sorry, I really do think we're quite self entitled. Because as soon as Candace graduates, Candace like, Mama made it. I'm done. I'm the first in my family to graduate. I've done all the hard work. I'm done. I never want to go through that slog again. And I mean, I mean, Craig, you're a lecturer, so I mean, you must encounter this on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, I do. And uh, I, that's why I want to disagree with you when you say that there are people who aren't passionate about people. There are people who, yeah, you know, lecturing, nursing, doctor, mm. those things are really, you know, you're called onto it. Mm. It's not easy, you know. And you know, even with that, I should even think those are jobs. I think those are callings. I love, yeah. the, I love the fact that you yeah. called you called it a calling. True. Yeah, absolutely. So I think just to go back to what Candice said, saying, you know, the difficult. Different, different challenges that we face as entrepreneurs or might want to be entrepreneurs or whatever is the fact that we still don't know the type of business we're in. Uh, I mean, we've got five kinds of businesses in accounting. I'm an accounting, accountant by profession as well. So we've got your service, your manufacturing, your, uh, merchandising. So that's when you buy and resell at a premium. And you've got your farming. Farming is very different. And people don't understand that when you get into such businesses, you have to know that the tax implication, the finance is very different. And you've got a business, the last one, a combination of one or the other. Sometimes people get into a business where they combine a service or merchandising, whatever the case might be. If you understand that, the moment you get that, then you'll understand the accounting and tax treatment. I don't know how many times, I'm sure Monday can agree that, you will have different young people who want a tax clearance or who want an IT return and they don't understand this terminology. They just think that, uh, they'll call you at the end of the year or at the end of six months when they want, uh, when they need. And it's not like that. That's why they'll get this huge accounting bill. So if you understand the type of business you're in, mm. you sort of know what you should uh, register for in terms of VET, in terms of not. I mean, for example, just a simple business example, a simple example. If you're in the service industry, it would be very stupid for you to register for VET because you're not buying stuff. Yeah. So it, you'd be really killing your business. But, you know, because people are applying for tenders and they just think, I just need to have a VET number. <laughs> it is also, you need to understand what you are doing fundamentally. I, I agree. Because <laughs> everybody wants to be a tenderpreneur. I want to be a tenderpreneur. <laughs> so listen, um, again, we're talking about young people. Yeah. We're talking about moving the country forward. Um, we're talking about business. We're talking about entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. right? One of my biggest um, arguments I have with myself, mm-hmm. okay, and this is why I respect entrepreneurs like yourselves, is... There's always this conundrum to, to, to say that, um, you know, Amanda and Elvis will go to a young kid and go, listen, you, you can do it, uh, work hard, you can achieve what you want to achieve, blah, blah, blah. Yet, what, 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 what we, a lot of us, uh, don't understand is that how do you motivate someone, right? 
that is, let's say, from Alex or from Davidson or from the worst part of Soweto, right? How do you, in that one interaction, motivate this person who constantly lives in an environment that tells him that he can't do it, that he's not worthy to do it, that to become an engineer is impossible, that to become an accountant, you know, you have to be from Santon. You know, how, how do you, especially that mental condition, because I think, I think any, anyone can do anything. It's just a matter of setting your mind in the right frame, you know, but I mean, that's easier said than done. So I'll start with Elvis. So I think, so on two parts is that you cannot just motivate everyone to say that they need to start a business. Mm. I think it's a matter of understanding that there are people that are actually made to start a business and to be able to run the business, but that those mm. people that can be entrepreneurs and innovative in working in a business because they do not have the, the muscle to actually deal about all these other things that come with running a business, right? Um, with regards to motivating a township entrepreneur, a township young person to make sure that they actually make it in life, whether they want to be able to be entrepreneurs or they want to be able to be a top director, be able to achieve better things. Mm. I think it's a matter of being, making sure that they get to be exposed. To, to what is not within the ex- immediate environment. It's a matter of making sure that you showcase them, uh, what do, what do they call it? Drone models. People that have actually done it of where they come from. Um, I was watching them in South Africa. Uh, Bipelo sorry. I was watching them in South Africa, I think, last year. A friend of mine, Bipelo Mavi, is from Alexander. And she became second princess of Miss South Africa. And mm. one of her questions that she was asked was, what was your biggest fear? And she said that her biggest fear was being consumed by generational, generational poverty. Mm. And it's because a lot of people in the township of mm. Alex and other townships, that's what they fear. But then they do not have the zeal and the support that they actually need for them to go to where they want. Robupelomami actually, his father is actually a taxi driver. Mm. Um, so it's a matter of you going out and being able to make sure that you get exposed to things that are outside of your own environment, making sure that you have a role model that you can be able to look up to, be advised on a day-to-day basis about the things that you can be able to go to, whether as an entrepreneur or as a person that want to be able to achieve uh, good academics, good career, yeah, or so yeah, forth. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, I hear what you say. Just to be a high performer, basically, what you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So, so sorry. So um, I, I guess that that almost follows up to a second question of mine is to say then, and this is something that I mean, I I feel quite a lot. Okay, is that you know, Elvis, you. You'll be a Lesoho, right, from Benoni, and you'll work hard, you do your thing, and then you'll graduate and you do your thing, and then you'll get into a really good corporate company, right? And then once you're there, you start to very quickly realize that um, if you don't have the right surname, um, you know, things, your, your career projections happen quite differently, you know, and it's very easy to, to, cause the thing that I hear mostly in the office is just, you know, this is the way it is. You know, things will change, but they change slowly, you know, but this is the way it is. And I think that's an exceptionally difficult place to, to try and bounce back from. And, and I want to, and I want to talk about my question now to Monday, cause I mean, you, you were in corporate staffing for 13 yeah, years. Yeah. You were an accountant. Mm-hmm. You looked at all the numbers. Yeah. You knew which people were getting paid more than which people. Yeah. You knew which people that had the exact same job title, but the one person got paid double what the other person was getting paid, you know? And, and yet your thinking was, okay, I've done my thing here 
it's now time to move on and build my own thing which for me is is almost saying like i'm going to move away from this comfortability um move downwards in terms of my quality of life just so i can build my own thing and then build it to where i want it to be yeah what were you going through then just to recap in fact i'm going to start from picking off from first question you talk about what makes somebody to be first thing that needs to happen first you need to be tired i mean it must come from you mm. two you must be exposed mm. and the third thing must happen is that people always talk about passion passion comes with you seeing something every day mm. I, I never knew football I had a passion of football see, uh, see uh, uh, till i know the rules of the football i saw it say so you have to be there you can't sit in the corner and say i don't have passion for this i think those are, those are the key important things that mm. it must come from you mm. when i got employed 2003 was my first uh, as a head of accounting i think my salary around, around 25,000 there mm. and i told my mother that is the this is a much man i'm gonna earn and everybody mm. was excited the first mm. thing that happened is that i needed to buy stuff for the house like beds and everything mm. i needed to buy a car because Wait, when you say stuff for the house, you mean your mother's house or no, where I stay? Where you stay? So yeah. I needed to buy a bed, couches, and everything. Yeah, and yeah. I needed. And this is the thing: I want credit. I'm going to Mokels, and I yeah. needed to buy a car. My yeah. first car was a Toyota Rav Extra entry. I needed to buy a permanent house to stay. Yeah. Within a month, mm. the salary that I was promised to earn was gone. No one else knew except myself that I'm I'm actually in debt. Net five thousand of what I was promised to earn. And in the same time, right, when you're going through that, you now have Johnny, right, whose parents bought him a three-bedroom luxury apartment when he was in yeah. was a teenager. Yeah. And then they bought him a Mercedes for passing matric. Mm. And then he comes into the exact same job that you're coming into. And, I mean, he's 25K is now his pocket right. money. So for me, I saw it from the very onset that I needed to do something extra. I knew that I had high expectations, mm. but this is a reality. And reality sometimes when reality strikes, you did not to ignore and say, maybe it's going to go past. It must be really that you confine yourself and begin to ask yourself questions. And I think from there, I, I, I set myself goals to say then, I will have to do something extra. And mm. of course, it took me five years and I changed jobs, think that's going to be better. But the second job, it was my last job when I got there. I said, I'm not going to move jobs because it makes no difference. It increases tax, patient contribution, discovery. And, you know, yeah, yeah, all and this stuff. Yeah. And then every day, what do you take? And then your salary, then what I understood, how the system of employment says, it says your salary, you then become the bridge because you buy houses and everything that you don't own. Mm. Keep this money for somebody to take it. Mm. And how they give you the credits is because your company puts surety kind of because mm, you are employed mm. by this company. Mm. So there's no way these guys can go without collecting money from you. So, but what you get in the day is, is just for you to be able to get back to work again. This is some deep business okay. 101 stuff, Candice. I'm just... Yeah. I'm getting school so yeah, hard. Yeah, yeah, Thank you so much for That's this. True. So, so, you know, and, and you know, there's different type of people in the world. So now, Monday, you, you're an accountant, yeah. right? Then yeah. you move from there, now you're an entrepreneur, right? Mm. But now while you're an entrepreneur, tell me if I'm wrong, you're currently completing your LLB. Yes, yeah, with vets. Yeah, you see, that's one thing I'll never do in my life. You see me, I was like, I'm done with school. I don't even know if I changed my mind. But why? Why that? Look, let me tell you, there are three things key that are very important in anyone's life. And mm. I, I thought, I, 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 if, if sales, uh, the, okay, the cost that is called sales will be compulsory. No one would be hungry if you know how to negotiate. Two, if law was compulsory, then True. people will know what is right for them and not. They, you'll, be, you'll, you'll be confident to know what is, what is due for you and what is supposed to be yours. Mm. And of course, of course, accounting 
it plays a major role as well because if you don't know how to handle money, then then you might as well not have it because it's not gonna make any difference in your life. So I think for me, when I grew and I realized that law was one thing that was lacking in my life, I developed mm. sales skills through my own ways, mm. and maybe my background shaped me to be mm. there. But accounting is something that I learned, so I needed law just to. To, to complete the cycle so that to understand this is what is right for me, this is what I can do. And if I need to advise anyone, I must also be meaningful, uh, careful of advising them on things that might not impact them in terms of how law uh, says about things. You and know, I, and, I, and I just, uh, and just a quick, uh, you know, uh, comment on that is the fact that, you know, we study this discipline to, discipline to actually bypass them. You know, that when you study law, you're not studying it to practice that, you're studying it to actually bypass it. Just like accounting, you study it to bypass the system. And it's, that's the ironic part. Um, when you practice, uh, finance, for example, mm. people will hire you to fix, not to do accounting, yeah, to yeah, fix right. messes, you know. And I just find that quite interesting. Yeah. No, you're right. Uh, let's not get there. Otherwise, we'll see ourselves to n- talking about companies that we know of. That <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so, Candice, do you see yourself going t- for your second degree? Woo! <laughs> I, I, I always think about this one. Um, um, I, I, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I don't know. I'm still on the fence with that one, so yeah, I don't know. I maybe, definitely would try. Maybe I, need I think a bit it's more. about getting more more experience because yeah. you need to be more of a rounded person, and that's what he was talking about. Mm. Especially law. I think everybody needs to be able to understand law because Just you'll be. I, I nearly said you'll be yeah. If you don't understand, <laughs> <laughs> you can say it on here. <laughs> so you know, sp- speaking of that, right? I want to know with 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 you guys, with you two guys, in terms of what you do. Okay, so with Elvis, what 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 are the most common issues? And and I don't, and I don't want like the the textbook stuff. You know, I'm talking about the accounting or how to do this. What are the what are the, the what are the most common psychological barriers or issues that that you that 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 you 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 face with Cassie entrepreneurs that you need to that you need them right to cross that bridge in order for them to actually realize what needs to be done. I think I'm just gonna list a couple. Um, mm. I think one of the biggest things that some of the issues that we actually came across, that especially with when it comes to law, is that we didn't understand. We we went into business being passionate and being. On that element, like, okay, fine, let's partner and we're going to do this, we're going to do this, and we never had anything on paper. Um, I'm talking about, we were supposed to run a project with one of the biggest organizations in Alex when mm. we came to Joburg, mm. and we didn't have anything on proper and on paper and everything. We started mm. working, mm. we raised the funding, and then the guys actually just vanished with the funding. Oh, wow. And there, there was nothing that we can be able to go... <sighs> After them with, with that regret. And I think that's where I'm saying, currently we have Bowman's, Bowman's Law as our legal, legal partner. Mm. And they do everything. And like, for me to get into partnership with you, mm. to work with you, mm. I make sure that we have an MOU, we have all, everything sorted out. I think one of the biggest challenges is that people need to understand law. People need to understand their legal rights. And those are some of the challenges that we, that we, that we faced. Um, the other one is that people don't understand what actually a guest entrepreneur is trying to do. Mm. Because it's something that, it has not necessarily been done before. I think people have done different pockets of it, mm. but we're trying to create platforms that actually allow township entrepreneurs 
access to information, to resources, to opportunities, to markets. And the thing is, a lot of township entrepreneurs and rural entrepreneurs have been uh, denied of those opportunities. And that's what you're talking about when you say, Ore, you have, you have your, your journey that has all these things already when, when they graduate, and then a black person is still literally... Uh, Literally the back But I, I want to stop you there Because there's actually Another clip I was debating Whether I wanted to Play it or not And okay. I think Since you said that I think I'm actually Going to play it And I want you to Guys tell me What you think of this Okay So let me just Drop the background music And then let's listen to this Is we have perpetuated The apartheid Spatial planning system In developing entrepreneurs All of you here Come from companies That spend money On enterprise development But you take that money And give it to Enterprise development agencies With offices in Santon and Woodmead, and Midrand. So the entrepreneur living in Tembisa must climb on two taxis, get on a train, walk five kilometers, get to your office, smelly, sweaty, hungry, get told that he doesn't look the part, get given an 80-page business plan, 20 pages of which is financial projections he must do. He can't do the financial projections because he only got a 33% parts in maths literacy. Go back home, complete the business plan, do it incorrectly, and he goes through this process four or five times before you deem him funding worthy. So the structural problem of creating entrepreneurs is actually going to where they are, not where we are. Does that make sense? Funding is not the problem. So, <laughs> so wow. this, is, this, is, this is what's happening currently. And when I when I'm talking about actually access, that, that it's, it's exactly what what that or, or, what all what Vos is saying actually. To say, how do we now go and actually create co-production space in the townships? Mm. How do we make sure that we bring incubations in the township? How do we make sure that we get the township people connected to Wi-Fi to having the facilities, the infrastructures in the township? Because that's actually can I ask you a question then. Yes. Because, I mean, we're talking about having all these facilities in, in the township areas, right? The issue is that these big companies, right, that own these incubators, right, do not want to have to drive from their homes in Santon and go to Alex, you know what I mean, and sit there in their office and do their work there or the incubator there or the, or the incubator work there. How do we get around that? You get someone like Alvis who'll do it for them. Yes, for us to go into the township... Establish all these infrastructures for the people in the township. Yes. Because I'm going to give you. Am I, am I allowed to to to, to mention names uh, yeah, of okay. organizations, not people? Go mm. Hey, it's a free country. Do your thing. Okay. So Race Cup is based in 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 Santon. Yeah. It is supposed to actually support black entrepreneurs, and that's what they say on their books. And but most of them actually not necessarily black. Yeah. So they just need to make sure that they reach that threshold that can be able to deem them as and for me that's an corruption. Mm, and mm, they that's get corruption. all the, the yes, and they get all the biggest funding of all the big corporates. Yeah. The, the Jews, all the Jew companies that we know. Yeah. And we say we and we're still saying that no, we're investing enough in in enterprise development. So. A company will say, oh, they've invested this in enterprise development. But if you go to the, to the specific enterprise development, it has actually done nothing in the township and where actually unemployment is actually at a high and uh, like uh, crimes at a high. How, what is it that we're actually doing? Is it trickling down to the people that actually need it? Yeah. Or are we redeveloping the people that have already been developed by all the different uh, organizations that are in the, in the urban areas? I think... Oh, sorry. Great. No, it's fine. I, th I think, you know what? 
because of the fact that right now we are uh, sort of uh, and sort of you know people that are very instant, you know we are quite instant in everything that we do. So that's why uh, you'll find Uber was doing very well in South Africa because it's instant and it's convenient. So any product that you sell or whatever business that you must do, it must be instant. It must be convenient to the person providing it and to the customer. So that's why things like Virgin Active that are spread wide, spread everywhere around the country, they're instant. So that's why I can say, or I can safely assume that people uh, like that would not want to do businesses where it's not very convenient or very luxurious for them because we are an instant and a convenient uh, society right now. Can I ask? Because Monday, I mean, yeah. you're the, t- the, I mean, you run a company, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm sure, I mean, the more partners you can get on, the better. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now, when you go to very large companies, mm-hmm. right, whether they're Jewish owned or not, yeah. right, and you go to the guy and say, "Listen, here's my business model. It mm-hmm. works," yeah. um, and the guys say no. Mm-hmm. As an entrepreneur, because we know that these are the facts that we're living with. Mm-hmm. What do you do then? What's 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 next? In my language, uh, no means next one. And mm. I think if you can have that mental resilience to understand when somebody rejects the proposal, not, they are not rejecting you. They are just saying they are not the right people to work with you. And they are those that are waiting for you. You just have to keep marching. And because at the end of the day, I mean, why should you stop? Because one company mm. said no to you. And in fact, the more they say it, you know, to you, mm. the more stronger you become, the mm. more immune you mm. become against rejections. The more rigorous you become. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, Craig is talking about um, virgin actives and being spread everywhere. But I don't, I, don't, I don't know too many townships that have virgin actives. I'm sure there's probably like one or two. Yeah, one but or if, two. I mean, if those guys have 100 virgin actives, I wouldn't be surprised if there was five or less. And for me, that's a problem because if you have to look at the business model, right? And if they were to go to certain specific, like Soweto. Mm. I mean, there are suburbs in Soweto. Mm-hmm. That would make sense, but you still have this, I don't know what to call it, unconscious bias that just pulls people back. Can I just add on that? For me, I wouldn't necessarily say that would want more vision actives in the townships mm. or would want more big corporate company in the, in the townships. We are saying how is it that township entrepreneurs have to take a taxi from the township to the CBD to be able to get the necessary support that they need. So in the necessary support, we're talking about the, the, the capacity building institution that were built by government to actually support entrepreneurs and young people. We talk about your CIFA, your NYDA, your, your, your CEDA and all of those. You find that they, ha- that they don't have that many offices in the township that it's, that it's actually fully fledged to actually for them to to support the entrepreneurs. The entrepreneurs will always have to go into the city to be able to find, to find that specific support. And for me, if I were to stay, if I was staying in the township, I'd actually rather go to a, to a township owned gym and a township owned designer clothing or a township owned whatever as opposed for me to going to a big corporate that is actually still draining the funds from the township. How are we making sure that the money that is in the township actually circulate within the township and can be able to support the, the, the township people. Listen, yeah, was, I always want to say, say like a true um, leader of the people. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, so with that, I mean, that's why this show is only an hour long, wow, guys. Are we but done, guys? we're trying to fight to make it longer. <laughs> can we please get oh. like a two-hour slot? Dude, we're trying to fight <laughs> to make it longer. But I just want to know, and this is very important, as 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 your parting message, right, to to young, dynamic, African academics, 
young people with an entrepreneurial spirit and there's there are, there are millions of them i'm convinced okay what are your parting words of of and i want to say advice but i mean the, the really brutal stuff that you know a, a typical 16 year old wouldn't know about going into this entrepreneurial journey now i know for monday i mean your top two is is integrity and ethics you know, yeah. I think the president of the country might like. I don't know. I, th- I think he might. I think he might not agree with you. Mm-hmm. But um, you are an entrepreneur. Yeah, you're doing this thing on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why I bring in the president and all that stuff happening now is because corruption is everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, young people are thinking to themselves: in order for me to make money, I gotta be connected. Mm-hmm. I get the tenders. Yeah. You know, I gotta be with the Guptas. And they're not the wrong. Fastest way. Mm. And they're not wrong. I need a text clearance. You know? <laughs> but what is, but, but it's not necessarily the best way. You know? It's not necessarily the best way to do it. Or it's not, I don't think it's the most sustainable way to do yeah. it. Mm. And I think that's my question to you. Okay. What is that way? Um, now that, uh, you, referring to Tembekwai as well, because one guy that I follow him very well, he, mm. he's got a clip that he was talking about someone who was looking for funding. Mm. Looking for 500,000 started chicken. Mm. And he said to this lady, I'll give you 50,000 to go and buy eggs. Mm. And from those eggs, find market and increase 50,000 to 75,000 mm. to 100,000 to 500,000. When you get to 500,000, buy your own farm. Because then when you've got chickens that produce eggs, mm. then you have a market to sell those eggs. Mm. For you to start a business, you've got to be tired. It has, has to come from you. Two, you need to be exposed. You need to be educated into the business mm. space. I run seminars across the country free of charge for people mm. to begin to understand. I need to start. I've got nothing, but I need to start. Mm. That is where they must come and, and attend those free seminars. Mm. I will leave a number, which is double three one seven seven. For someone who says, I'm in Johannesburg, I'm in Cape Town, because Saturday I'll be in Cape Town talking to, about, talking to 300 people, mm. uh, professionals, working class, those that says I've got nothing, but I've got a wheel. Because mm. it is important in business to have a will and be teachable. So if you can SMS your name in the province to double three one double seven, somebody who's going to tell you where will I be in the next uh, whatever city you are close to because I'm doing seminars around the country. 100%. 100%. And then Elvis? So, well, like I think the key, two key things. One uh, is that Young people ne- need not be self-entitled. Uh, no one actually owes you anything. Mm. I think you need to be able to be hungry by yourself. Mm. You need to be able to, to, to want something for you to actually, ha- to, to make it happen and go look within your social capital who can be able to assist you in doing that. And uh, number two, um, I think people need to be well educated, whether it be in business or in whatever environment that they want to be in. When mm-hmm. I say educated, I'm not talking about a certificate. I think you can be able to do online courses, you can be able to actually literally be educated in anything that you want to be able to do. And I think for, for me, if you have those two things and the the drive, you can be able to actually achieve anything that you want. 100%. And then, I mean, finally, um, the team, we're always here every week doing our, doing our best, having the most willpower. Um, I'm gonna start with Craig. What's, what's, what's your quick parting message? You literally got a minute. Yeah, no, I, whether you are a doctor, lawyer, scientist, teacher, oxalayo, or engineer, <laughs> oxalayo, accounting, it's finance key. is key. We rule. Monday, we rule. Cool. And then I'll leave you guys with this little, um, um, power moment. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together.
That's it from me, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks Liz. for tuning in, guys. It's been a great show, guys. Once again, um, uh, it's the Urban Culture Drive. It's only an hour and it's already done. Cliffcentral.com.